Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Well, I started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled, So. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 13. What I want to do today is finish it up. I started a sermon series called, What You Sow Will Grow. And the whole thing was based on Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that will also reap. And so we've taken that one principle and we've applied it to different areas of our lives. And really the one sermon was good enough, but we're trying to get it practical, rubber meets the road. What does that mean in my day-to-day living? And so that's what we've been doing. And so today I'm finishing out the sermon series and I, I want to really preach a kind of a summary sermon. I don't do this very much at all, but I, I want to preach a sermon that kind of wraps up the, uh, uh, the whole sermon series. And I want to give you some principles. And I have this real catchy title. It's called So, So, So. All right. And so you, you'll, you'll get it. You can remember that one. And um, so let me do that today. If you've not heard the sermons, by all means, download our Peavine City app. If you just search Peavine City in your Android or iPhone, uh, the app will come up and all of the videos and the audios are there. And that's really the only way to get them. And so uh, if you want to go there and look at it, that would be great. Why you turn your Bibles, uh, let me ask you a question. You, you ever had that sinking feeling when you lost something? You ever, you ever know that feeling when you lose something valuable? Like, ladies, you ever left your ring somewhere? You know, you're like your wedding rings, you know, that feeling you get. And, and uh, I was, we, we went to a ball game early in the year. At the very beginning of the year, my wife and I and a couple of friends, we went to a Braves game. And on the way there, we met at Walmart. And we got there, it was actually cold. It was a very cold night. We had, had on our short sleeve Braves jerseys. And we went into Walmart and, and, and we bought us some, some Braves paraphernalia that was uh, warmer, and I bought a, I bought a hoodie, and you, you know what a hoodie is, it's a Braves hoodie, and it had pockets in the front and a, and a hood on the back, that's why they call it a hoodie, in case you're wondering, it has a hood on the back, and uh, I bought one of those, and we, we wore it to the Braves game, we had really, really good seats at the Braves game, and we were way down on field level, but we're on the back row uh, where one of the aisles were, people walked behind you, we were kind of on the back row, and it was one of those short rows, if you've ever seen them, there are only like 10 seats on the whole row, and we had seats seven, eight, nine, ten, and so the ladies sat in seven and eight, and the guys sat in nine and ten, and I, I sat on number ten, and I happened to have uh, there was this like power box next to me, and uh, it was actually a little convenient. As a matter of fact, it was like a power box beside me, and I could squeeze out uh, and get in the aisle back here. But it also kind of served as like a coffee table for me. You know, like I could set my my drink on the. Uh, soda on the power box right there and I could set my uh, 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 you know hot dog there and all that and I found myself throughout the game uh, I would set my I'd set my phone down on that box and I kept saying to myself hey be careful because there's like hundreds of people walking behind me be careful about setting your phone there but I'd set it there and kind of keep an eye on it we got to the seventh inning and uh, I, I, I distinctly remember I set my phone down right there and we got up and we did the seventh inning stretch and when we were done singing the songs and stretching and all we do, I looked over there and my phone was gone. And I, I, I had this moment, that sinking feeling that you get, that moment of panic. I had that moment of panic of somebody has stolen my phone. And man, I'm not just worried about the phone. There's all kinds of personal information on there, you know, you're worried about and all that kind of stuff. And I panicked and I looked down the aisle and I saw a guy that had a phone that looked kind of like mine. He was putting it in his pocket and I said, 
That guy took my phone and I said to the people next to me, Scott, the guy named Scott next to me, I said, hey, that guy took my phone and we got to go get him. And, and Scott's like, whoa, slow down. Scott's not really the confrontational type. And I'm like, hey, no, no, we got to go get him. And Shana says, what's going on? I said, he took my phone. Come on, come on. All four of us can take him. Like I'll hit him low and you hit him high and we'll get it and we'll wrestle him down and we'll take it. Come on. And I was already like, like the row was here and I was already out of the row. Like I was saying, come on, come on, come on. And, and Scott says, whoa, preacher. That's my, uh, I love when they call me preacher. And he's like, whoa, preacher, slow down. He said, if you check your pockets, and I'm like, hey, I'm not a moron. Yes, I checked my pockets. That guy's got it. And Sherry's like, Joel, check your pockets one more time. No, I don't have my phone. Let's go. And Scott said, hey, just put your hands in the hoodie. And, and I, I put my hands in the hoodie. You know what that guy did? He, he stole my phone off that box and without me knowing, he's like some kind of magician and he slipped it into my hoodie. I almost went and beat him up anyway, man. That's what you get like. They laughed at me for the rest of the night. But you know, you know that panic you get when you, when you feel like you've lost something, but like at least you weren't on a roller coaster, right? Like if, imagine losing your phone on a roller coaster. Did anybody see the video this week of the guy that lost his phone on the roller coaster? Oh good, most of you say, hey, the guy is on a roller coaster and somebody behind him who like is gonna video the roller coaster, which if you've, You've never been on a roller coaster if you think you're gonna, you know, video it or whatever. And, and somebody behind him, and the, it's not even his phone, then the phone flips to the air, and this guy on some kind of downward swing just is kind of up like, yeah, I got it. You know, like he's got it. Like, give that guy a college scholarship. Send him something. I mean, that is the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. And you know the feeling of the guy on the back row who was filming, and then it goes flying through the air, and he's like, oh, no. And he sees Spider-Man reach up and grab the phone. <laughs> what? Well, can I say this? That's, that's kind of what we want to happen in our lives. Right? There are these times in our lives when we've lost something that was precious to us. And really what we want to happen is we want somebody to be able to reach up and snatch success out of midair. Let, let me tell you what I mean. Like, like maybe our family's going wrong and our family's in a mess. And really what we want to do to fix it is we just want somebody or us or somebody just to snatch success out of midair. Or maybe our marriage is going wrong and it's gotten sideways. And we just want somebody to snatch success out of midair. Or maybe our finances are wrong or maybe we're discouraged or maybe I walk with God or maybe our parents. And, and really here's what we want. We want somebody, dear God, just let somehow, somehow let me snatch success out of midair. And what we know is we rarely, if ever, snatch success in any area of our lives out of thin air. We have to plant a garden and watch it grow. And plant a garden and watch it grow. And plant a garden and watch it grow. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that's the garden he's going to grow. So I want to tell you today is you're not going to snatch success out of midair. 
There are four principles I want to give you about sowing and reaping. Uh, when we talk about so, 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 there are four principles I want to give you that as we kind of summarize this sermon series that I want you to kind of get ingrained in your heart and in your life that you understand when there's an area of your life that's kind of gone sideways, here is what you have to do. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? We're going to read Matthew chapter 13 and uh, begin at verse number one. It's, a, it's the parable of the sower, believe it or not. And, I, you know, I'd love to have preached a whole sermon out of this. And really today I'm not preaching a sermon out of this. I'm just going to use one verse and we're going to go back to Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Uh, but I, I wanted to at least get this read uh, because it really, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily apply to the sermon series I'm preaching. But I'll, I'll explain that later on in the message. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. Matthew's the first book in the Bible, about two-thirds of the way through. First book in the New Testament, rather, about two-thirds of the way through. And, and here, here it says, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood <laughs> on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns uh, sprang up and choked them, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Thank you. You may be seated. So, so what I want to do over the next few moments is I want to take some principles out of these two passages, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, that we've already talked about. We're not going to read those again. I can quote those to you, but I have the verses uh, on the screen. And, and out of Matthew 13, and I want to sum up where this idea of sowing and reaping and how important it is for your life. And I just want to make, uh, really, really what I want to do is make four points and that'll stick with you. So I'd encourage you to write them down. Number one, I want you to know this. You stand where you planted. You stand where you planted. Here's what Galatians 6, 8 says. For he sows of the flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. He sows of the spirit, will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Now, I've said this over and over again to start the series. Every time I started this series, I've made this point, but I've never stopped and just emphasized it. I want to emphasize it right now. Because here's where we are, and it's just, it's just human nature. It's in your nature. It's in my nature. Here's who it is. We want to blame everything in the world for our circumstances but us, right? Like when we find ourselves in bad circumstances, we want to say it's our, it's our family's fault. If my kids were better, then I'd be a better parent, right? Uh, we, we find ourselves in a bad place in our marriage, and we're like, well, if my wife was better, I'd be better. If my husband was better, <laughs> I'd be better. We find ourselves in a bad place in our job and we say, well, my boss, it's his fault. If I worked for a better company, I'd be better. Or, or we as Christians like to say, you know, if I had, I just got bad luck. That's my deal. I just got bad luck. You know, you know those saying, if it weren't for bad luck, what? I'd have no luck at all, sang the Tennessee fans today. <laughs> well, here, here's our favorite. Listen, oh, please hear me now. I'm trying to be gentle, but hear me. Our favorite punching bag is the devil, and we like to say, well, the devil's doing this to me, and the devil's doing that to me, and we over-spiritualize everything. And can I tell you this? There's many, many times in your life when you're blaming the devil for something that the devil is saying, hey, I didn't have anything to do with that. You got yourself in that mess. 
As a matter of fact, most of us, the devil doesn't even have to fool with us. What we're calling spiritual warfare is not even spiritual warfare. What we're calling spiritual warfare is a sowing and reaping principle in our lives. It's not the devil's fault. It's more my fault than it is the devil or it's other people's fault or it's upbringing. I was not raised. Look, I get it. Without a doubt, some of those things can influence our lives and have a major effect and give us a bad start and affect us in powerful ways. But listen to me carefully. You've got to grab this or you're, you're never going to get where you want to be in life. In general, you stand where you planted. Now I want to answer the question that's in your mind because it's all of our minds. There are bad things that happen to good people. It's true. It is true that, that you can be doing everything right, that you can be sowing all the good seeds and bad things happen to you and knock you off course. But listen, when you're committed to sowing good seed, you'll always get back on course. Did you hear that? When bad things happen to good people and knock you off course, when you're committed to sowing good seed in your life, you always get back on course. The greatest example of that in the Bible is a man named Job in the Old Testament. Job was devastated. As a matter of fact, it was the enemy's fault. And Job was a man who was always sowing righteousness. I mean, Job was as good as it got. There was no better than Job. And the Bible said that Job, it was a sowing and reaping principle. Job always sowed good into his life. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that Job was so content on sowing good that Job would offer sacrifices for he and his family when he knew of no sin, just in case somebody sinned. That is sowing good seed in your life. That is constantly sowing good seed in your life. And the devil looked at God and said, hey, he won't keep sowing that good seed if you let me mess up his life. And God said, I'll tell you what, he will keep sowing good seed if you mess up his life and I'll let you touch his life to prove it. And so the devil, a bad thing happened to a good person. And Job lost his family. Job lost his health. Job lost his fortune every dime he had. The only thing that Job kept original was a nagging wife. And don't laugh too hard about that. One guy did in the early service and he's in trouble right now. Uh, so, so, but really, Job, Job kept a nagging wife. And, and, and the devil thought the wife was more valuable to him alive than she was dead. So he lost his family, he lost his fortune, he, he lost his health, and he kept a nagging wife. And bad things happened to a good person. But you know what the story of the book of Job is. The story of the life of Job is that Job got knocked down, but he got back up. And you know what's going on at the end of the book of Job? Job is back sowing good seed in his life again. Yes, bad things happen to good people. It's not about whether or not bad things are going to happen to you. It's about when you get knocked down, when you get knocked off course, when you get knocked around. The trick is, will you get up and quit and keep sowing righteousness or will you just give up? See, there's so many people, the norm in the Christian life nowadays, if something disrupts our world, if something goes wrong, we just give up and we just start living any old way, any, we start sowing bad seed in our life and we say, well, God let a bad thing happen to me. Yes, but the trick is bad things are always going to happen to good people. The trick is, are you going to get up and keep sowing good seed in your life? And if you get up and keep sowing good seed in your life, you get right back on course. See, did you know that the path to being where you want to be in your marriage and the path to being where you want to be in your finances and in your walk with God, you, you, you fill in the blank. It's never a straight line. It's always a zigzag line. 
And so the fact is that where you are today, if it's good, you planted yourself there. You say, well, bad things happened to me, but I got back up and I just started sowing good. You know what happened? It self-corrected and you got back on target. You say, well, I don't like where I am. I'm in a, I'm in a bad place in these areas of my life, but you planted yourself there. You say, but preacher, it's not my fault. I had bad things happen to me. Everybody does. And if you don't own up to that fact, you'll never, ever turn your life around. At some point in your life, you have to say, I did this. And I own it. And because I own it, I'm going to do something about it. <coughs> you know, I, I, I travel for a living. I do a lot of traveling around the United States and fly on a plane. Fly Delta and rent hurts. That's my life. Fly Delta, rent hurts. Every now and then I do Uber, but most of the time I get a rental car. Do you know what I've never done with a rental car ever, ever? And I rent dozens of rental cars a year. You know what I've never done with a rental car? I've never, ever washed a rental car. Never. I've never taken it to some guy and said, hey, I want you to wash it up, buff it, wax it, no matter what it costs. I want this car to look good before I turn it back. I've never done that. You know why? I don't care. It's not my car. You know what I've never done in a real car? I've never put the, the good gas in a real car. You know what I'm talking about? Like the 93. I, I'm not paying that for a real car. Some of them say like put the medium grade in there. <laughs> good luck with that. I'm putting the cheapest thing I can find in there. If it's a diesel nozzle, I mean, I, I, I'm putting the cheap. Don't do that. But I, you know, I'm putting the cheapest stuff. I've never vacuumed a real car. Never, ever. Every now and then I... You know, you've been somewhere for a week, you kind of live out of your car. Every now and then I got a bag of chips thrown behind my seat and a Diet Coke bottle behind my seat. And my wife will be with me. She'll say, hey, are you going to clean the sand before you take it? I'm like, no, there's a guy that gets paid to clean them out. If I cleaned up, he doesn't have a job. I'm helping the economy. <laughs> it ain't my car. You know, I've never changed the oil in a rental car. Do you know I've never even looked to see if the oil needs changed in a rental car? Do you know what I've never done? I've, I've never shown up. It hurts. Turn the car back in and say, hey, dude, I just want you to know. Before I turn this car in, about three days ago, it got a knocking in the engine. I was real concerned about it. So I, I called around, found the best mechanic in Denver, Colorado. And I said, guy, this rental car I own has a knock in it. And I really want to take care of it. And so whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I want you to fix this rental car up, make it sound really good. And, and, and Hertz guy, costs about $800, but don't you worry about it. I got it. Said no one ever. You know why? I'm not responsible for that car. I don't own it. Somebody said this morning, remind me never to loan you a car. Now that's a little different, but you know, you know what I'm saying. <coughs> but I can't tell you this, the same is true with your life. If you don't own it, you won't feel, feel responsible for taking care of it. You'll be content to sit around and blame everyone else and everything else for your trouble. And here's what I want to tell you today. As we close out this sermon series, you stand where you're planted. You've got to own it. Own it, own it, if you're ever going to do anything about it. Second thing I want to tell you is this. Number two, you can't unplant, but you can overseed. You can't unplant, but you can't overseed. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Here it is. Whatever a man sows, that he also reaps. Get this. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation that's bad, Right? And we wish we could undo it. Like you find yourself in a bad marriage situation and you wish you could go back and undo some things. Or you find yourself in a bad financial situation and you wish you could go back and undo some things. Or you, even that applies to your health and so many other areas. But here's the problem, get this. And I'm not, I'm not discounting the grace of God. I'm not discounting the mercy of God. I'm assuming you're already saved. But listen, here's the deal. If it's sown, it's sown. You can't unplant it. I'm sorry, it can't be unplanted. 
Like, I mean, this prayer doesn't exist. God, I'd really like to take back that year of my life. God, do you remember that year I was nothing but a moron? I want that back. Makes no sense to pray that prayer. You know why? God's not answering that prayer. You don't get a redo. If it's planted, it's planted. God, you know that decision I made a month ago that everybody told me not to make and your word said not to make and the preacher preached a whole sermon on it. He didn't even know what, what I was dealing with and he said not to make and, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you put a rock in my front yard that said don't do something stupid and I went and did something stupid. God, I'd like to undo that, please. You can't take it back. You can't unplant. Once you put it in the ground, it's going to reap a harvest. So you say, preacher, then what's the hope? <laughs> Here's the hope. You can overseed. You can't overseed. Let me tell you a story. We moved to the Atlanta area uh, uh, about a decade ago and we moved in the house. We bought one that had kind of been flipped and, and the, the, <coughs> the lawn was in terrible shape. And, and our neighbors have told us it used to be the best lawn in the community, but the, some people really let it go down. We got it. There was no, it was just terrible when we got it. And we brought some landscapers in and we said, hey, I had fescue grass or kind of, I had a blade or two of fescue grass. And, and, and we said to the landscapers, what are we going to do? And, and the first two landscapers said, you just got to scrape this up, get it down to dirt, and we're going to have to resod the front and the backyard. Well, that all sounds good. Do you see the price tag on it? And then it's not the cheapest thing, especially in the Atlanta area. It's not the cheapest thing in the world to do that. So we finally got a, a, a landscaper in there and he said, no, I, I, don't need to, I don't need to do that. He said, let me tell you what I can do. He said, I can fertilize this. So here's what he did. He fertilized our yard. He weed and feeded the yard, did all that stuff. And every fall, he aerated our yard and he planted really good fescue seed over top of the aeration and he put straw over it and we watched it grow. And he did that one year and the next spring it looked, it looked better. And then he did it the second year and, and had those plugs all in the yard and seed on the yard and straw in the yard, did it in the fall. And boy, the second year it looked so much better. And then he did it the third year. And can I tell you this? The third year we had one of the best looking lawns in the neighborhood. We didn't unplant, we just overseeded. Let me tell you something about life. There are no do-overs. You don't get to be 21 again. You don't get to go to high school again. You don't get to make better decisions in college. You don't get to be a better parent again. I mean, listen, raise your hand if you could, would like to go back in a time machine and do some things differently. Is that you? If you'd like to go back in a time machine, yeah, I tell myself lay off some butter, right? Like, like don't eat as much. Like if you could go back and do it again, you would tell yourself, you can't do that. What you can do is overseed. Here's what I mean. You make a bad mistake in your marriage, you can't do it. Here's what you can do. You can start planting good seed. You make bad mistake as a parent, and we all do. You can't you can't undo that. What you can do is start planting good seed. You make bad mistakes in your finances and you can't undo that, but what you can do is start planting good seed. You, you make bad mistakes in your walk with God. You can't undo that, but what you can do is overseed. And though I've got some bad seed in the ground, though I've already planned a crop of bad decisions and bad mistakes, I can't undo that, but I can start burying it in good decisions and good seeds. <coughs> And I'll turn that crop around because I can't unplant, but I can overseed. Let me tell you the third thing. <coughs> Out of Matthew 13, 8. Some seed won't grow. Some seed will explode. Here's what he says in verse 8. But others <coughs> fell on good ground and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Now let me tell you the parable of the sower. 
Jesus says a parable of the sower and he went out to sow and he sowed some seed and some fell by the wayside. And he tells us later on that uh, the seed that fell by the wayside, the devil came and snatched it away and it didn't yield any fruit. And then he said, some fell on stony places and it didn't have any root. And he tells us later on, those are people who, who, who got the seed, but when hard times come, they quit. And then he said, there were some seed that fell among thorns and they tried to grow up, but the thorns choked them out. And he says later on, that's the cares and the, and the deceitfulness of the world. That's what choked them out. And so Jesus said, you got all these three kinds of soil. And what happens is they, they, they none of those fruit. But then he said, there's this fourth kind of soil. And when you put seeds in that, what happened is that it bore more fruit than to, enough to compensate for the ones that didn't bear fruit. Now in this parable is speaking specifically of the word of God, of preaching and witnessing, right? Like if you're inviting people to church, here's what you need to know. And you should be inviting people to church every day of your life. Look for somebody to invite to church because Jesus is the answer to all our problems. Say amen. But what you need to know is about, at the best, about one out of four may say yes. But if you take that principle and you apply it to what we're talking about here, here's the point you need to understand. You cannot expect to have a reaction to every action you take. Here, here's what Jesus was trying to tell us. <coughs> In life, you are not going to get a harvest from every seed you plant. Now follow me because this is a little hard to keep up with. But if you want a better marriage, or maybe let's say your marriage is not great, and you say as a husband, you say, let's just use you as an example. You say as a husband, I'm going to be nice to my wife tonight, today. I'm going to be nice to her today. I'm going to say nice things about her. I'm going, to, I'm going to buy her something. I'm going to get her some flowers. I'm going to plant some good seed in my marriage today. And you wake up tomorrow and you think all your problems are solved. It's not going to happen. I mean, there are times that, like, you know, you buy flowers and it just doesn't land. It's not what she wanted, had a bee in it, whatever. She just didn't want them. I mean, it just didn't land. It just didn't land. But on the other hand, you might do something small one day and it produced tremendous fruit. So I'm going to finish this up, but here's the two points I want to make. Sowing and reaping to the good works that way. <coughs> Some things you sow just won't land, but others will explode. Some things you sow just will not grow. And you say, well, preacher, that's not fair. That's the way the law and the principle works. There are going to be things you're doing in your marriage and, and you're going to be like, well, that didn't work, that didn't work, that didn't work, and that will not work great. And you say, well, how do I know? You don't know. You don't know. Just keep sowing good. In your spiritual life, some things will work, some things that won't. You don't know, just keep sowing good because the ones that work will blossom and produce more fruit than all the others could. But sowing and reaping to the flesh and to the bad works the same way. Listen to me carefully, Christians, because you get so messed up here. And listen carefully. Here's what happens. We, we sow bad seed. And as teenagers, oh, it's a terrible problem you have as teenagers. You, you, you do something wrong. You do something you shouldn't do. You sow bad seed. And you know what? You wake up on Monday. I'm not in jail. My parents don't know. My wife doesn't know. My husband doesn't know. Like, all's good. Not every bad seed you sow will ruin your life, but some will. Did you hear me? 
Not every bad seed you sow will ruin your life, but some will. And here's the problem. You don't know the difference. Some bad seed's going to land in the ground, and you're going to think, that didn't hurt me at all. But I'm telling you, you keep that up, there's going to be a bad seed in the ground, and you are going to ruin your life. And you don't know the difference between it. So keep putting good seed in the ground and quit putting bad seed in the ground. You never know what of the good seed is going to make your marriage and your, your whatever a success, but you never know what bad seed you put in the ground is going to lead to ruin. Let me show you the fourth thing. I'm finished. <laughs> the best time to start sowing was yesterday. The second best time to start is today. Here's the deal. Some of you are here today and you're standing in a place you wish you weren't standing, right? <clears throat> I mean, just to go, you know, we've talked about marriage and parenting. I didn't, I didn't preach a parenting sermon, but serving God. We've talked about finances. We've talked about your walk with God. We've talked about discouragement. And some of you find yourself here today <laughs> in a place you wish you weren't, right? Like, I've been there. Me and Bill Clinton feel your pain, right? We get it. We know you're in a place you didn't want to be. And we, we look back over our lives and we'd all do things differently, right? <laughs> we look back over our lives, we'd all do things in a different way. If we look back over our lives, we'd all would have, we all wish we could say, well, I wish 30 years ago I, I'd done this in my marriage. I wish 10 years ago I'd done this in parenting kids. I wish five years ago I'd done this in my finances. And we could all go back and say, I wish I'd started then. I wish I'd done this then. I wish I'd, listen, I get it, me too. But if you didn't do it yesterday, the second best time to start is today. And don't waste time sitting around wishing and hoping you had done things better then. It's pointless. Start today making things better and planting good seed in the ground, knowing that you'll reap what you sow. Close your Bibles and I'm, I'm finished. <clears throat> Chris Martin is a pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. We, we picked him up at the trade deadline. Braves won the pennant this week. Somebody say, yay, they won the division this week. You know, it's awesome. But about 10 days ago, I was actually watching the game uh, at home and, and Chris Martin came in the game and, and he did something. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll put it up on the video. He, he did something that I was amazed by. I, I kept watching it and Chip Carey, love Chip Carey, but Chip Carey was just talking too much. He was not paying attention to the game because we kind of saw it unfold pitch after pitch. There's strike one to batter one, strike two to batter two. And then next thing you know, he, he throws a third pitch and I'll let you see it. And boom, swing and miss and three pitches, three three strikes, one out. And then the second batter comes up and he does the same thing. <laughs> and the third batter comes up and he gets two strikes with two pitches on the third batter. And Chip Carey's just talking away. And I'm like, hey, dude, hush and look at the field. And Chris Martin did something that's almost impossible to do. Chris Martin threw nine pitches, got nine strikes and three outs. Nine pitches, nine strikes and three outs. In baseball terms, that is called an immaculate inning. And in Major League Baseball, it's nearly impossible to do. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three outs. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three outs. How hard is it to do it? Since 1889, 
Chris Martin is the 99th pitcher in Major League Baseball history to pitch an immaculate inning. Nine pitches, nine strikes. For a pitcher, it is utter perfection for one inning. Say, so how hard is it to do? In all of Major League Baseball history, there have been 303 no-hitters. There have been 99 immaculate innings. In all of Major League Baseball history, listen to this. It is easier to throw a no-hitter for nine innings than it is to throw an immaculate inning for one inning. Did you know that there are Major League Baseball pitchers who have made millions of dollars, who have won hundreds of games, and who are now in the Hall of Fame, and they have never, ever won, had an immaculate inning. There are pitchers who are in the Hall of Fame today that have pitched 20 years, and in 20 years, they never had an immaculate inning. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three outs. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three outs. As a matter of fact, there have been several times in baseball history that baseball has gone decades without an immaculate inning. I think it was from 1990 to 2010, there was not one immaculate inning pitched. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three outs. It's almost impossible to do. Why am I showing you that? Why am I telling you that story? Because here's what we think. We think the Christian life is like pitching an immaculate inning. We've got, we got to get it right every time, man. I got to throw a strike every time. I, I got to get down the plate every time. I got to get out on three pitches. I got to get through an inning on nine pitches. Can I tell you this? That is not the Christian life. Well, how do all those people get in the Hall of Fame? If they've never thrown an immaculate inning, how do they get in the Hall of Fame? Can I tell you how they got in the Hall of Fame? They were better more than they were bad. They were better more than they were bad. Now listen to me. Can I tell you what the Christian life is? The Christian life is not being perfect. The Christian life is being better more than you're bad. Get this. It's sowing good seed more than you sow bad seed. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Sow more good seed than bad seed. Sow more good seed. You know what you do tomorrow? You sow less bad than you sowed today. And you sow more, more good than you sowed yesterday. And you know what you do the next day? You sow less bad than you did the day before. And more good than you did the day before. And you sow, the next day you sow less bad. And you're just more good than you are bad. And that's the Christian life. Sow more good than bad. Not perfect. You're trying to be a perfect husband, not going to happen. Trying to be a perfect wife, not going to happen. Trying to be a perfect parent, not going to be happen. Trying to be a perfect Christian, just name it, name it, name it. It's not going to happen. Some more good than you some bad. That's the Christian life. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, that's the most important decision to make. There's only two places to go when you die. 
One is heaven, one is hell. Both last for eternity. If you'd like to go to heaven when you die, we have staff members here at front who'd love to pray with you and lead you to faith in Christ, show you how you can go to heaven when you die. Don't hesitate. When, when Shelby sings in just a moment, you just come right down the aisle, take one of these guys by the hand and say, I want to become a Christian. They'd love to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you, not going to call you out, not going to put a microphone in your face. We just want to lead you to faith in Christ. You want to join our church or be baptized? Hey, they're the guys to come see. Don't just come and kneel, but come and take them by the hand and say, hey, here's the decision I want to make. They'll walk you through that whole process. Though our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. <coughs> I mainly preach to Christians today. And I want to ask a simple question. This, it couldn't be simpler. And I just want you to answer to God. How many of you would say, preacher, there's some areas in my life that I need to improve. And I just want to tell God, there's some areas in my life that definitely need to improve. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Say, preacher, I'll be honest before God. If there's areas in my life, I need to be... Thank you, thank you. Three quarters of the hands went up. So here, here's what I want you to do today. I, I want you to take a bold move and step out from where you are, walk down the aisle, and I want you to get to the altar, and I want you to pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I own this. I own it. It's not anybody else's fault. It's not the devil's fault in all probability. I, I just got myself where I am. God, I own this today. And God, I wish I could get time back. I wish I could undo some things, but Lord, I understand I can't. So God, here's what I want to do. I want to start today planting good seed in my life. I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I want to plant good seed in my life. I want to plant good seed in the area of my life. Lord, I want to sow, sow good seed so that I can reap a harvest of life everlasting, the Bible called it. And there are many, many, many of you this morning that just need to take that bold move, come down to the altar, there's some of you, husband and wife, you might need to hold hands and just come to the altar and pray. I've seen that this morning. There's some that may need to grab the head even of a, of a child, a teenager, and say, hey, here's, my, here's our prayer for our family. There's some of you, it's another area of your life you've not shared with anybody, but today you just need to come and say, God, I own this. I can't undo it, but I can start today. God, help me start today. And listen, the Spirit of God's drawing your heart. Don't turn him away. Father, draw us with your spirit. <coughs> Have you spoken to us through your word today? We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.